I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... We at the Pillars of Franchising team would like to express our gratitude to Feedspot for listing us as number one in their 2023 list of top 50 franchising podcasts that you should listen to. Thank you from everyone here at Pillars of Franchising. Hi, Kristen. Welcome. Hi, welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Hi, Fred. Hi, Kristen. So I gotta on that intro, I gotta uh, make one correction. Is it's not the top. It's we're not number one of the top fifty. We're number one of okay. the best fifty. So we're the best of the best. <laughs> Sorry. This is oh. what makes us all do what we do, Fred. I know. It's that. And we hope that you. Go ahead. We hope that you all enjoy the episode today because we have a great show coming up. But before we get started, what about for Word on the Street today, Fred? So I know we've got stuff about um, IFA because Jerry's back from his. Um, well, he didn't start a revolution or, or a rebellion, so sad, but he's been in Washington um, and testifying before Congress, which is, yeah, well, yeah. I won't make a comment. Um, so we've got that coming up and we got a great guest. What have you been seeing on the street? Because you're more, I spend my time in cameras and marketing and all that garbage. What are you seeing on the street? What should somebody like me who's contemplating buying a franchise know? Well, I think um, there's a lot of people right now kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with the um, economy, but I don't think it's a bad time in stealing Jerry's line. It's not a bad time. It's a good time still to look at franchising. I think franchising is one of those areas that, you know, as my girls were telling me today, well, Kristen, we're we're not the only company that's a little bit slow right now. The factories are laying off and the other clean services are slowing down and letting people go and this is usually a good time for people to get started. Um, I know we certainly got started very early on and when financial times were not very good, Um, but there is still a lot of money out there. And for people who are tired of worrying about security, every time we go through one of these financial downturns or recessions or whatever we're going to call it today, um, this is a great opportunity to own your own future and make sure that you are in control, not somebody else. So, you all know I'm a huge proponent of franchise, and I just don't think there's a bad time. So um, I noticed that, I think it was QSR Magazine, uh, had an article within a, a couple of um, days ago about restaurant, uh, fast food franchising, and it's ex- experiencing a yeah. growth boom. Me, 
I always got told by people in the restaurant industry that the quickest way to make a, a small fortune in, in food was to start with a large one. So my question to you is, would you do with a QSR franchise or is that a, I don't want to be near it? Because to me, I, I know we've talked over the years about robots and, and automation going in there. Sure. But labor still seems to be an issue there. I think labor is going to be an issue really no matter where you are and no matter how much we put AI and robots into place because there's still somebody that has to be there to manage them, right? And just like the McDonald's shake machines, they're going to break down. It happens. And so I think it's really important that we have somebody uh, investing in those brands who understand not that they're going to have a crystal ball, but that what they see today is going to be a little bit different in the next five to ten years. Um, and I wouldn't be afraid of it. Certainly, you know, not everybody's going to be losing their jobs. Their jobs are just going to be different. They might not be standing at the grill flipping the burgers. Those might automatically be done. In some restaurants, that portion of the job is sort of already taken care of for them, right? The mustard and the ketchup all gets put on by a machine. So um, I actually am warming up to QSRs quite a bit. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading about them. I used to say, you know, the, the, the rule used to be, if you've not been in restaurants, don't go into restaurants. But you have to start somewhere. And I think a franchise model of a restaurant is certainly a far better place than if you were to open your own mom and pop private restaurant. Okay. Anything else I need to know about um, franchising before I ask Ray in the next Pillars Pillar segment embarrassing questions? Well, I have to say that a different type of franchise, uh, the Cubs franchise, just won <clears> their season opener today against our neighbors to the north, the Milwaukee Brewers, with a score of 4-0, to zero, and that's my personal favorite. Um, so pass off to the Chicago Cubs. Let's go get some more uh, wins out there. Oh, a wise guy, eh? Sorry. I'm a Southsider. <laughs> what can I say? That was the, You know, the... at least your timing was right. We know you're a Sox fan. You're from the South Side. That's all right. I'll forgive you. Thank you. Shall we go to our guests now so I can get off screen and go do other stuff? Yes, let's do it. It's going to be a great show. Hi, Felipe. Hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. I'd like to introduce you to all of our audience here. Audience, please meet uh, Felipe Martinez with Estrella Insurance. Thank you, Kristen. It's a pleasure to be here on the show with you and everybody today and all the listeners. You know, I want to start by being very clear. Well, you provide insurance services to businesses and individuals. You're not here to talk about what you sell. You're here to talk about your franchises, right? You are a franchise brand, Estrella Insurance, correct? Yes, that is correct. We're actually all franchise-owned. Everything that we do is for the benefit of the franchisees and obviously continuing to grow our market with the right folks that want to find success for themselves. Why don't I introduce uh, Philippe? I think that, because his bio includes all that wonderful information. Okay, is that all right? Please do. All right. all right. So Philippe Martinez is the franchise development director of Estrella Insurance. Philippe is one of the mission is on a mission to help individuals reach their financial and personal goals through the franchise ownership. 
He is passionate about educating the right individuals as well as empowering his peers through his sales, coaching, consulting, real estate, and client development experience. Wow, that's quite a bio. Thank you, Ray. (laughs) So now we know you sell insurance franchises. Now, do these franchises primarily, uh, are they dealing with individuals or companies or or franchises or or what? Any driver on the street, any business owner, any homeowner is a customer. So we deal with really the entire community. Uh, Working class individuals, I would say, make up the majority of our customer base. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lisa, you, your model, I'm sorry, Ray, but you're, I want to kind of go back because this, what's so interesting about Estrella Insurance is how it started and really kind of the target franchisee that you're looking for. Can you talk a little bit to that and in, in the interview that I had mentioned uh, that you did with Patrick Sandaro? Sure. This business really got its start about 1978. Our founder, Nicholas Estrella, came from Cuba looking for a better opportunity. He was, uh, uh, still is a, a natural salesman, did life insurance for, for quite a bit. Uh, in the 70s, auto insurance becomes mandatory in most markets. So he sees a tremendous opportunity for volume and, and a legally required product. But he does a 180, goes into auto insurance and starts developing more and more units. Uh, Mr. Estrella always wanted to open up at least one location a year. And in 27 years, he opened 40 outlets. Uh, and that was very successful all the way till 08, which when we converted to franchising, we realized we had the formula down, down pat, where we need to open, how we need to run them. And we figured we would give people the right, the right people the opportunity. And, and we did so mostly with employees in the beginning. Uh-huh. A lot of people that were managers of corporate locations, uh, we literally gave them the keys and helped them through financing. Best decision we ever made. When you gave those folks the keys of the business, uh, there was an explosion in sales. Yeah, yeah. And we never looked back from that moment. Insurance is a is a tough business. I know. I I sold insurance for a year and a half, <laughs> and I can tell you it's 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 pretty competitive. So, uh, what do you offer your your uh, people who buy your franchise, what do you offer them in the way of training to overcome that competitiveness that's in the field? Very competitive. You're right, Ray. And that's actually what makes this a good business. And the reason that we find success in it is because we really give them all the tools that they need to capture share from other chains mm-hmm. or the mom and pops. So we provide them the training. I think a lot of people see insurance as something very daunting and there's certainly can be some insurance products which are very complex, but the majority of what we sell, auto insurance and different policies like that are very quick policies to sell. We represent a great deal of insurance companies and that makes our franchisees competitive. You know, that's that's very important. Obviously price is not what makes a franchise successful. It's really the service that, that we provide to the customer, but by training the franchisee, in the right way to operate the business by helping them establish marketing. We're very aggressive with marketing that helps to reinforce the brand, the benefit that we provide, uh, and combining all these tools and helping them study the market, open up where it's uh, most adequate. But competition is great. In fact, we like to open right in the heart 
landscape uh, of the competition because we know we have all the tools to, to take market share. Let me ask you a question because you, you talked a little bit uh, uh, earlier about some of the differentiators between you and other insurance companies as a provider. So this would be as if I were a franchisee, things yeah. that I could offer that others can't. And one of them had to do with tickets. Yeah, in a few states, we, we operate a ticket defense clinic. So insurance, you build a, a big relationship with the customer. And we're able to also do a, kind of a ticket clinic services where the franchisees refer uh, customers for tickets. Uh, not only that, they do um, different law cases from immigration to criminal cases. So we kind of, the, the franchisees refer a, receive a referral from doing all of this. You know, and a little bit other, a big important factor is not only do we represent many companies, but we actually have our own auto insurance company as well. Oh. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, how I've never heard of any insurance company, right? I'm always afraid to get a ticket. I always have to point out when I get pulled over, and it's happened numerous times. My record is clean. I have no tickets. And then I get off on that ticket because I don't have any tickets. But it's because I'm terrified of my rates going up for tickets. And so to have an insurance company, I can call and say, oh, my gosh, I got a ticket. I don't have to pay you more. And they say, don't worry. We've got this ticket process you can go through to fight that. Mm. I think yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. This is all things that we provide to the franchisee because we know that the more, the deeper that relationship is with the customer and the more benefit we can provide them, the better retention they're going to have. So sure. if somebody has an auto insurance policy with a company, that's great. But when you have their home, when you have their business, when you have their life policy, that increases the rate of retention with the customer. Sure. Well, two things I think make this model really attractive is that you're talking about repeat business, right? Um, because people usually, they start with car insurance. Eventually, they're looking to bundle to see if they can save more, right? And I don't know about most people. I don't like to change my insurance. I'm the set it and forget it person as long as I feel like I'm getting a good rate and I like the person I'm working with. Yep. Yeah. Your agent loves you for that, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can pass the more love my way if they want to. I'm totally fine with that. But um, and the other thing I really was interested in is um, you don't have. Well, is it first of all you have to have it. Right. If this isn't something that you can say, oh, my budget's too tight. I'm not going to pay insurance this month. That's right. You know, how many businesses can say that what they offer is, is legally required, you know, and uh, I think with certain economic circumstances like COVID, you know, some concepts uh, prove that they can uh, resist those economic climates and some unfortunately can't. We're, right. I always say that we're a little bit blessed because of the nature of our industry. You know, when you have certain situations, people are quick to uh, not book that vacation to Hawaii or buy that new 80-inch TV, but they're yeah. not so quick to stop paying their insurance. Yeah. True. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, one thing about insurance, you can't buy it after the fact, unfortunately. No, no. <laughs> no. One, one of the things that uh, crossed my mind, uh, I, I know that uh, most, if not all, states require some form of licensing or certificates. Do you provide training for that and then uh, have the people go out and get their uh, license or how does that work? So we actually guide them to where they should obtain the license uh, in the state. Uh, most states, this is very accessible. I think there's a big mis misconception. People think that there's like this wall 
to get into insurance. In most states, you're talking about a 40 to 60 hour course and wow. become licensed. So in a matter of two weeks, you can be a licensed wow. agent. And then we take it from there. It's kind of like having a university degree, but you really don't know what the business is like. And then we bring them into corporate. We teach them the theory. We actually do hands-on training. So they get to put their feet on the ground before they open up. And and we, we teach them everything, which is a big reason of why we don't require any insurance experience at all when we have the right person. You know, that, that leads me to um, one of the quotes I had mentioned to you that I uh, had heard about Estrella is that you are an immigrants for immigrants type of company. Can you talk to that a little bit? Sure, Kristen. So the company, like I mentioned earlier, is founded by immigrants, still operated by the same Estrella family. We count in our franchisees so many ethnicities uh, from Latin American, um, Pakistanian, Chinese, Brazilian, Americans, African Americans. It, it's a very diverse background, but definitely immigrants, uh, folks that are looking for a better opportunity in this country. A lot of folks that have never operated a business in their life, they're a big number in our ranks. Uh, not only do we provide the opportunities to nationals here, but we also work with foreign investors. And if they meet certain criteria, we can help them start their own chapter in the American dream. We've done it with individuals from many different countries. Just to give you an idea, we just had an approval from Australia. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I bring that up because we, I do want to give a shout out. We have a lot of different countries that listen to us. Um, and so I wanted to point that out because a lot of them listen to us to kind of understand franchising, what it is, and, you know, is it something to bring to their countries? Is it something that they can come here to? And I believe most of the um, folks that you help come over to this country is through the E2 visa, right? That's the process that you use? That is correct, Kristen. And they meet certain criteria, which the government, what the U.S. government is looking for is that that individual is going to stimulate the local economy, right. provide employment to citizens, and uh, have the capital required to make the business successful. And they view franchises in a very favorable light because while there is risk involved like any business, it's more proven, right, right. than a completely independent business. So franchising uh, can be a, a good way for somebody to come into the country legally, be able to start a business for themselves and their family. I think that's awesome. What a great way to give back from the founders, really, to kind of just keep that whole thing alive. Yeah. Now, one of the things that uh, I think uh, Kristen and I have noticed recently is that uh, our franchisor is really hot on insurance because I've gotten so many communications from our insurance about the the T's not being crossed and the the I's not being dotted on our insurance uh, paperwork. So have you noticed that as well? And uh, how how much do you cater to businesses? We cater quite a bit, Ray. I would say that automobile is still our biggest market, but we do cater to businesses. A lot of Main Street businesses, uh, you know, your barber shops, your pizza shops. Uh, We also do commercial businesses, for example, like homeowners associations. Um, Mm -hmm. It certainly is a little bit more complex. But with that complexity comes bigger premiums, bigger commissions for the agents. So we kind of educate them from the ground up with smaller businesses, and then they eventually graduate to being able to insure uh, 
bigger commercial policies. I'm really excited about this this model. I have to tell you, um, Felipe, because you've said some key things. I mean, not only is this a great way for people to come into our country, this is a business that you will train and direct people how to go get certified in their states and or licensed in their states and then come back and then you guys teach them all the nuts and bolts on the back side of it. So that really, if you're somebody who maybe you went to college, but it's just not for you or somebody who's determined right out of high school that you want to go do something completely different, you don't want to go to school. I mean, some of these things that you're talking about are great alternative paths to that. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about the financial commitment and things that people would need if this is something they're looking to get into? Sure. This is, in reality, when you compare it to franchising in general, a very accessible opportunity. You're talking the initial total investments from fifty to $84,000, so very accessible. We have a lot of franchisees that, that come from the middle class, working class population, and, and that's kind of what we're looking for, an individual that is not afraid to roll up their sleeves, do a little bit of work, and then start to gather employees, and the business will prosper, uh, ideally, but very accessible. This business has the advantage that there's really no inventory or equipment, so a lot of folks that have previous business experience operating all sorts of businesses, they come into this, it's kind of like a weight lifted off their shoulders because of the simplicity on how you operate this. You know, the, the product is a piece of paper, and that piece of paper is backed by another, in, you know, on another insurance company. So it's, it's, the operation is very streamlined, and um, this obviously helps with a lot of the operating expenses. Do you find that you have a lot of multi-unit owners or mostly single-unit owners in your, in your franchise system? A lot. Uh, 50%. It's just a hair over 50% that, that have more than one. Um, you obviously don't need to have more than one. Uh, not everybody is the right individual to have more than one. Yeah. Uh, but when it is the right person, sure, they always want to expand because it's once you have the pieces in place, it's certainly easier to replicate. What, what do you determine the ter how do you determine the territory? It varies on a few things, but the most important factors are going to be population and density, and that gives yeah. us an idea of how many locations we can open. I mean, you look at a market, for example, like Miami, where we have 70 locations, but because of the sheer size and population and density, it works. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, but then you have other territories that may be smaller, and and uh, we might not be able to open as many. You know, so it can vary a little bit depending on the area, but because what we sell is something so mandatory and everybody needs it, obviously the market share is, is huge. Right? That's awesome. And we talk all the time, I'm sorry, we talk all the time about recession-proof businesses. And, you know, Sam, like, wow, this is even better than recession-proof. This doesn't matter what's going on. If you're going to drive a car, you have to have the insurance. I want to take a moment to remind our listeners, because this is actually, you know, you have a model that's so accessible. It's got such a great story behind it. It's very um, affordable from a point of entry. Um, if you have questions for Felipe or for someone on our team, you have a comment or such, you can obviously uh, put it in the chat box, or you can call us at 323-580-5755. Again, it's 323-580-5755. Um, and even as we transition to other interviews today, Felipe's going to stay on so we can get some of your questions um, on down the road. So, um, Felipe, I just want to find out where, if people would like to talk to you about these opportunities and different markets. Well, first, let's talk about this, just the market. Um, 
the last I had heard, you had like four major states you were in, and now since that, it's really expanded. Can you talk about where you are and what your future looks like in terms of growth? Sure. We're right now operating in Florida, Arizona, Texas, California, Arizona, and Colorado. Um, and we're growing in all of these markets, and we're about to open in Massachusetts, in New York, That's North cold. Carolina. As I mean, well. all these other places are warm. <laughs> yeah, we figured we needed some agencies in the snow, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just visit them in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this is a year-round business. <laughs> and the great thing, too, is that, you know, insurance agencies, you don't got to go in them. A lot of times we do the business on the phone, on yeah. the computers, and all of that. Having a great location is still very important so the community sees you. You know, you're in a great shopping center where you have a great anchor that is exposing you constantly to the members of that community. And then they see your ads on the phone. I mean, this is all part of what we do and, and we put together, yeah. right, in the way that we make the system successful. But, you know, it's, it's, the, the location is important. Awesome. Can you tell people how to get in touch with you if they're interested in the um, in the opportunity with Estrella Insurance? How do they find you? Sure. Uh, they can find us online at Estrella Franchise and see a lot of information and apply directly on there. Or they can. Uh, I encourage them to contact me directly. You know, I can. Perhaps I don't know. Is there a way we can leave my my telephone number and my email? Yep, absolutely. We'll have everything listed at the end of the show in the credits, so that will be posted as well. And there will always be a permanent record on the Pillars of Franchising website, so they can always go back and take a look at that as well. Great. So I'll be another pillar. You'll be another pillar. (laughs) Well, Felipe, thank you so much for your time today. We're so glad you're going to hang around and listen to the rest of the show. And um, I can't wait to see as you start transitioning your brand a little further north when you come up here to Chicago and uh, let's go catch a ball game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to go back to Chicago. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Ray, and everybody on the team for having uh, us here and, and the listeners. And, and I'll certainly be around here if there's any questions. Sounds great, Felipe. Thank you so much. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor. But first, go Sox. As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, We want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at FranchiseShow247.com. And we couldn't do without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we love to have calling guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755. That is 323-580-5755. If you have questions for our guests or for any of our Million Dollar Mentors, we welcome you to call in at any time on the show. We will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned. More coming up. <laughs> Kristen. April Fool's. That mute button will get you every time, Kristen. You know, the thing is, I was thinking to myself, I have to remember to thank Men and Kilts, Mr. Ron Bender, for my super cool koozie again. And then I forgot to turn the mic on. I'm so sorry. Jerry, welcome back home. Oh, it's so good to be home, Kristen. Coming back from Washington, D.C. is always a a welcome relief. Well, I have to tell you, um, I hate politics. 
there's nothing about it that I enjoyed. And I also um, don't usually sit and watch hearings on TV. And I didn't, I watched it on my phone. But I was compelled and actually surprised at how much what you were there to discuss impacted me as a small business and as a franchisee. So I first want to say thank you for giving your time and representing the International Franchise Association because you did an amazing job. Um, if anybody didn't see it, you need to go out there and find it. It's out there on YouTube. But Jerry, let's tell the audience what stuff you got grilled on. Oh, listen, Fred, quit with the sound effects. Um, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, when you go to the Hill and you're a business owner, there are some representatives who look down on you as um, somebody who runs a sweatshop, somebody who takes advantage of workers, uh, somebody who is getting extremely rich on the backs of uh, your workers and so on. So. I was in there to talk about some, uh, you know, to give my take or I think franchising's take on some regulations that they are trying to put in place that will be, they'll have a dramatic impact on us as franchise owners. Um, so, for instance, the, the um, a joint employer situation, which we've been talking about for years, and uh, where that basically couples a franchisee's employees to the national brand rather than to the local owners. So, um, I don't know about you, Kristen, but I love my local uh, employees. They're a part of my family. Yeah. The thought of them reporting to a big corporation and just being a number as opposed to working for me kind of offends me, to be very honest with you. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it, what it makes me think of is, um, do you want to be a part of something, of a family, of people who know you, they know about you, or do you want to be nameless and faceless? Yeah. And yeah. so if we go to this joint employership and everybody filters out through the franchisor, it's no different than working for a major corporation and you're simply employee badge number 3275, right? That's exactly. Like, yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, many of us take better care of our employees as local owners than they would ever get as a part of a corporation. And you're right, they would just be a badge number. And really the goal, and it's, it's again, a little offensive to me, I gotta be honest with you, because I'm not really sure why government's even having this discussion. Um, but if you listen to the tape, anybody who was a witness for the group trying to put this together started almost every answer with unionization. That is the goal, is to put all of our local employees under the heading of a large corporate group uh, yeah. so that it's easier for unions to negotiate with them rather than come out and negotiate with you for your employees and me for mine and so on. So that's really the goal. They talk about, you know, it was kind of funny. Uh, they were also talking about minimum wage and so on, and they don't, they don't let you talk. So no. you, you can't really help them answer the question. I thought uh, Congressman Owens, who played the NFL and then was uh -huh. a, a business owner, did a great job of asking you know, I would say the opposition's economist, have you ever run a business? Do you really know what it's right. like? Maybe you should ask business owners about yeah. what you're talking about. And yeah. of course, they don't really want to do that because their theory is more important than the reality of what goes on in the real world. Well, so, and you a question, Jerry, have you ever been out there? Have you talked to, this con to the constituents? Have you asked them? 
And she would say, no, I haven't. Well, and I like, thought it was quite quite funny, the congressman from California, where they have now AB5, which if you're a franchisee, you need to understand some of these terms. AB5 is uh, potentially something that will relate to your employees as well, uh, leading to a large national brand taking care of your employees instead of you. And uh, when they put that in place in California, it literally put a lot of gig workers and part-time workers out of a job because their employers couldn't have them any longer. And so that gentleman put together, literally printed a book of responses when he went out and interviewed people who had been in that situation. And so, you know, it's one of those things where the government's in search of an answer to a problem that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So joint employer, the PRO Act is what they're naming it in D.C. right now to get rid of the onus that's already on uh, joint employer. AB5 is a part of that. So that was, really, it was set up as a... um, a way to bring employees back into the workforce and so on. And the answer from the other side is there's lots of employees out there. You just need to unionize and pay them more. And I wanted to say there's nobody in my world making minimum wage anymore. I I don't know if there's a minimum wage out there job. When you look at McDonald's and gas stations and places like this, they're paying 15, 16, $18 an hour. So, Jobs that would normally be perceived as being minimum wage really don't exist anymore. My neighborhood car wash, the kid that hits the button when you drive through or tells you this way or that way with your tire, he makes fifteen fifty an hour. Yeah. I so, mean, so I don't I, I do understand. And you know, the sad part, okay, the sad part about all of this is it's the it's the, the typical a few bad apples ruins the whole bunch, right? If you do have in the systems out there in places, people who aren't good owners, you have people who do take advantage of people, but those people need to be weeded out and punished and have their licenses revoked, not punish the greater good. I mean, and this did, it's interesting again, because I do really hate politics. And when I was talking about this with you the other day, I think it was you and you started laughing and said, oh my God, Christy, you sound like a Republican. And I said, well, it's funny because it's not, it's not about what right. you're on. It's about the health of small business in this country that supports so many jobs. And if you go for the jugular in those small businesses, you're going to see a lot more people unemployed. Yeah, because even Fred touched on it earlier, and I hate to give Fred credit, but Fred talked about, you know, uh, automation and so on coming into the business world. And, you know, you walk into a McDonald's anymore, and you may most likely will order at a kiosk because they've done away with the person at the front desk because they can't afford them. Um, Self-checkout in stores is partially because we can't get enough staff and partially because of the cost of the staff. And frankly, you're going to see every brand in the world doing more and more of that because it's the only way they can keep their costs under control so that you and your family can still afford to eat out, to go get a haircut, to go get your car washed, all of those kinds of things. And yet, I'm sorry, logic is kind of a four-letter word when you go in front of uh, Congress. And another thing, and it's great that we've got Felipe on here today because one of the biggest misperceptions up there is that franchising is all fast food. Yeah. And so we've got Felipe, who has a very, very unique franchise that I am guessing, well, let's just say half of Congress doesn't think there is a brand like that out there. No. And, uh, and, and so it's frustrating for me. 
Uh, it is. We do have some friends in Congress, uh, franchising speaking. Mm-hmm. And um, what I would say, and I just wrote an article, uh, anybody that gets franchising news will see an article from me in the April uh, version. And it's literally about this trip and the same things we're talking about, because we need to have more franchise leaders, people like you and I, Kristen, who join IFA, who engage, who do the fly into DC once a year, who go in front of their representatives and talk about their employees and their business to start changing the perception of what this looks like to, you know, a group of people yeah. in DC, or we're going to keep fighting these battles. Well, and I think this aligns with the conversation that we had last week, and we're going to continue um, talking in more detail about in, in the upcoming weeks is getting franchisees involved with IFA. Because for those of us who are involved with IFA, none of what was discussed was new. None of it was foreign. None of it was like, what are they talking about, right? And I, and again, it's really not my space. I don't enjoy these political discussions. But I will tell you, luckily, it was pretty darn clear and simple. And as business owners, and if you're going to get into business, I don't think this is a deterrent. But I think you need to think about where you're going into business, know who your local representatives are, and just make sure that you kind of know the temperature of some of these acts and how they may play out and how that's going to impact you. I mean, it'll work. It's just it may be different. So, you know, there's always kind of equal and opposite reactions. Wasn't it one of our great mathematicians that came up with that at some point in time? But here's some things that are going on in California, for instance, where a lot of these rules are in place already. Emerging brands are choosing not to go there because they do not want to get involved in this. They don't want to play that game. Existing brands have lowered the support they're giving uh, their franchisees to, you know, put up some kind of a barrier between them and franchisees so that they're not looked at by the government. By the way, the government in this case is a committee of unelected individuals who generally do not have business experience making a decision on you and your relationship with your franchisor. Um, Even existing brands out there, if they have underperforming locations, they are making decisions right now not to renew the license in those locations when it comes up for renewal to limit the amount of exposure they've got. Yeah, we just talked about that brand, right? We just talked about them last week. You know, it's very interesting because I also just read um, the FTC is really starting to look again deeper at some of these franchise disclosure documents and making sure that uh-oh, go ahead. Kristen, it's funny you bring that up because one of the other things I talked about is there every 10 years, the, FT, the FTC franchise uh-huh. rule comes up for uh, renewal and comment and so on. Uh-huh. And so they're, they're talking because it's due? It's, well, it's past due, actually, but because of oh. COVID, they pushed it off and so on. So now there's a rush, and they just ask for comments on it in a way that makes IFA in particular, and I'm sure a lot of other people, very nervous about what they might be doing with it. Yeah. And again, most of them don't understand because the FTC franchise rule, and I'm sorry, I'm getting into Laura's territory, so she may <laughs> want to correct me when she gets done. <laughs> but I look at it, it really is the rule that forces franchisors to give a potential franchisee all the stuff, you know, the yep. FDD, including item 19, allow them a two-week cooling off period so that they can decipher all that, all mm-hmm. those things. Laura can add more. But, the, you know, the, the conversation that's going on is that they may adjust that. And I told the people in Congress, I said, that is the single greatest protection potential franchisees have 
And now you're talking about perhaps adjusting that. You're yeah. trying to get rid of bad franchisees in a, that are here now because of the way they deal with their employees. Yep. And at the same time, you want to put potential franchisees in jeopardy of getting into a bad brand, which would lead to the things you're trying to get away from right now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Logic is a four-letter word in Washington, D.C. Oh, Laura's coming on. <laughs> yeah. I would agree, Jerry, that, um, you know, everything here is right. You know, the FCC is required to do a review of the franchise law. So here we are, right? Um, but, you know, if, if anything, right, I would hope that the FCD would, you know, they can, they can improve it, but I would hope they don't reduce it. Um, yeah. Because there are things that change over time, right? You know, since uh, 2008 was basically the last big change to the FCD rule right, of how we prepare these documents, like at least from the federal level. Um, and as you might know, 2008 was kind of a while ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so there have been a lot of things that are different now. Um, you know, there could be different, you know, we all are much more reliant on technology in yeah. franchising than we ever were 15 yeah. years ago or something. So yeah. there's a lot, lot more done to improve a franchisee's disclosure experience but that would involve like real rulemaking, right? Where they would have to really hear from prospective franchisees, from candidates, um, you know, about, okay, I wish I had known this. Right. And right. then, you know, learn more because right now the restrictions that are in place on certain parts of the language in the SED, even if a franchisor wanted to give more disclosure, even if they wanted to yep. more thorough write-up, like they they won't be able to. I know. I, as a lawyer, yeah. I was like, well, we can't actually say that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Thanks we're gonna pick the... this. Yeah, we're gonna pick this up again because we're grossly over time. But Jerry, we've got some really good things, and when we go to Laura's segment, I'll let her finish some of her thoughts um, on this piece. But uh, I do look forward to next week having some more information on this, and hopefully, you'll get some of this information for us out on our blog. Um, so please, for those of you listening and, and more curious about uh, the subject and what you've gotten today, please take a look and uh, we'll get Jerry busy writing so that we get some of this information out there for you. And we'll Thanks be right a back. lot, Kristen. You're welcome, Jerry. We'll be right back after this. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. Uh-oh, we're on weekend. <laughs> oh, hell's bells, I'm terrible at this today. <laughs> okay, I forget. You know, part of it is this music that goes on in the background, and then I start singing, and Lord knows I don't want anyone to have to hear that. So I put it on mute, and then I get caught. 
Anyway, so Laura, welcome back. It's so great to see you this week. I appreciated you jumping in and uh, chatting about some of this stuff with Jerry. Um, what do you think? I mean, what's your, your legal opinion? Do you think that we're going to see some major changes or do you think it's going to be relatively unchanged when they do this? If I had to guess, we'll stay relatively status quo, right? Okay. You know, that is the way of things. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, you know, in, in Washington where things are, you know, pretty well divided at the moment. Um, it's sure. not a strong majority either way. So it'll be probably will stay relatively status quo. You know, like I was saying before, I think that there are things that could be done to improve the disclosure experience in the FED. Um, but that's not to say that it's not already pretty strong, right? You yeah, know, I mean, right. all the time that are like, wait, I have to say what? Or, <laughs> you know, I have to tell them that. And I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's not that it's not already going to do a good job, but, you know, like most, it has to evolve um, with sure. the time. Well, it does bring to light, uh, you know, today we're going to talk a little bit about immigration and franchising. And, and I bring that up because I remember in my disclosure process, you know, when you make the decision to go in and buy a franchise, it is a life-altering, all-in investment. And so those weeks that I had to hold the FDD, even if I wasn't real diligent about reading every single boring page, I wanted to have that time because that's kind of the time where you you read and you reflect and you go, oh gosh, I don't know, can I really pull the trigger? Like you got to go through all these different um, projections on, on break even and all this different work needs to be done. And I think that shortening that period would be devastating. And this ties into our topic because I think about the people who want to come into the country and invest in a brand. So they come in start making opportunities for more people by opening these franchises, how can they even imagine giving people less than two weeks? I mean, personally, I'd be giving the E2 visa folks a little more time. Right, yeah, and that is something definitely to think about. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought of when you were just sharing about that is potentially a language barrier, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when I was kind of helping to prepare for the show today and I was on the Australia website, one of the things that I found that was really impressive, and it's probably because, you know, their founder was a Cuban immigrant, is that their whole franchise website, it, you know, people who want to buy a franchise, that's also available in Spanish. Yeah. That's not the case. If you go to almost any franchise or website, you know, right now, um, it's not translated usually. Um, yeah. The on the cover page does uh, require a statement that if, you know, you wanted to talk about getting a, an FED in another language, you can ask the franchise for, uh, but I'm here to tell you that, you know, that's probably not going to happen given the cost, right? You know, to translate the documents of 100, so, 200, 300 pages is uh, pretty burdensome. But if I ask my franchisor as a potential franchisee, I say I'd like it to be in Spanish, are they required to get it for me? No, they're not required to get it for you. That's you know, I mean, right now, I mean, we, it's not something where that's a language requirement in our country to do business. Sure. Okay. So, you know, but there is a risk to the franchisor that if somebody made that request and then they felt that person, knowing now that this person does not, you know, have a good enough comprehension of English to understand what's in there, you know, mm -hmm. does, I mean, this has come up in other franchise systems as well. Like, I believe it's um, in some of the, uh, 
you know, kind of quick, quickie mark kind of franchises, mm-hmm. 7-Eleven, similar ones, where they, um, I believe they actually have requirements in their FPD about being able to read and speak English. Wow. Um, you know, they do have people who buy those franchises, and if they cannot understand what the requirements sure. are, they cannot comply, and then they get into default, and it's yep. really, really tragic. Yeah. Well, tell me, what are your thoughts on the whole E2 visa process? Is that the only way someone from other country can come in and invest in a business? No, um, there are multiple ways. Um, another one would be an EB-5 visa, um, and we see that a lot in the, the franchise process. Um, you know, one of the things with those visas is that they have to be, um, you know, creating a new commercial enterprise typically, okay? So, you know, just buying an existing business, you know, that may or may not qualify, depending on what they're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. A franchise can be a really great way to do that because a lot of franchises, especially if they have a brick and mortar presence, you're immediately going to need, you know, five, 10 people to work there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, have you seen any, um, I'll just call them bad experiences or visas gone wrong? When, when folks try to buy a franchise? And, and, and how do you get that turned around as a franchise lawyer? Well, you know, I mean, I would definitely want to have a franchisee have their own immigration counsel, you know, as a starting point. Because as much as, you know, we all want to try and help everyone, um, we all have to stay in our lane. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. time. Um, so I would certainly want to bring in immigration counsel for whoever was doing that. But it is ultimately on the franchisee, right? You know, the franchisee, you know, the candidate, um, they are going to have to make sure that they have their own attorney who's advising them. Because even if the franchisor is helping them, even if they're saying, yeah, it's all going to be fine, ultimately (laughs) the application is in the franchisee's name, right? Right. Right. Like anything else, you know, somebody else is is pulling the strings for you. It's great until it's not. (laughs) Right. So you have to watch and make sure that, all of that is going the way that you expect it to go. Excellent. So does your firm um, do a lot with helping franchisees to come in on an E2 visa, or do you work more on the franchisor E2 visa side? We would work on the franchisee or franchisor side, um, okay. but again, like really in tandem with a immigration with an immigration attorney because. Mm-hmm is not an area where you want to go it by yourself. Um, sure. you know, and, and I think that it, they really need to know, you know, about what it's going to mean, you know, to have a visa to come here. It's, it's way, you know, it's not the same as just, oh, you're a citizen, right? Right. right. Of that. That's excellent. Well, I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you think that, that the audience needs to know in terms of um, immigration and, and franchising. I mean, to me, it seems like a really solid way for somebody who wants to come here and they want to become a productive part of society right away and providing opportunities to others, whether it be their family members or or yeah. citizens already. Yeah, I mean, they can definitely uh, invest their way, right, you know, to legal permanent status. And I think that that's a really tremendous part of the American youth. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. You have that as an opportunity. So. Great. And I did get a, a message from Felipe that said, absolutely, franchisees definitely need immigration attorney for the E2 visa. 
So if anybody's out there listening and you think you're going to be able to do it on your own, please don't. We want you to be successful uh, without any hiccups. We don't want to see anything go wrong. Don't send your money until you have a lawyer. You know what's happening, you know, for sure. And things are signed, sealed, and delivered. Floralist, thank you so much. Our franchise business attorney, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Hello. Oh, hi, Karen. I've got my pencil sharpened. Pardon me? I got my pencil sharpened. You're going to give me five tips on uh, improving operations. I am. I am indeed. So, you know, it's funny. We were, you know, just I get all fired up listening to these segments, you know, that come before I know. And, and, you know, there's so much as franchises that we can't control. And I love it that we have people like Jerry fighting for all of us. That's really important. And at the end of the day, it's making sure we as franchises that we're, we're actually having successful, growing, profitable franchises as well. So, yes, I'm going to share five tips on, on how we can all improve our franchise operations because, as we know, that, that that's important, growth is important, and profitable growth is important as well. So do you want to hear the top one? Yeah, well, not the- really top one, but I'll go with the first one. Okay. The first one's really about, it's about, strategy. And it's about making sure what is it you have to plan your work and work your plan. And I think too many times what happens is as, as, as small businesses and franchises, we get caught up in the, the daily, right? We start working, we're working in the business and we're working in the business. And then it's time for, let's say our annual, like an annual plan or annual review. And we kind of, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'll just use the same thing I did last year. Mm-hmm. Because if you really want to kind of improve franchise operations, it's really to have that, you know, every year, really revisit your annual plan, kind of think about what's the strategy, do a SWOT analysis, you know, really make sure, are we doing the right things? You know, so we think, think about- so think, think with the end in mind is what you're saying? Absolutely, oh. absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, because too many times what we don't do is we're not thinking about that, right? And mm-hmm. so, and then what happens is we even get partway through the year and things happen, or maybe our, you know, marketing's not working, strategy's not working, Whereas if we really take a look at that on a regular basis and then review it on a monthly basis, um, it's, it's, it's good to do. And again, it seems very simple, but there are so many of us that really, that really don't do that. Absolutely. Okay. I got that marked down now. What's right. number, two? Okay. number two, be vigilant, 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 be vigilant <laughs> about your key metrics that are going to drive your profitable business. Okay. And not and, and really think about what are those. And a lot of times the franchisor will give you some. They'll say, okay, here are some that do drive the business. And I encourage every franchisee to think about, okay, what next? What more? Am I using the right ones for me? You know, are, are the right ones for us? I know my business partners and I, we even take a look monthly. We sit down mm-hmm. monthly and say, okay, where are we? You know, what's happened? What are some of those leading metrics? How are we going to make sure, you know, that we're looking at that business ahead? Because that's where we also, we get ourselves in trouble if we don't do that. And I found there are a lot of things that we've actually stopped, you know, before it became a problem. So know your key metrics. Yep. And make sure, not just know them, but revisit them on a regular basis mm-hmm. and you know, track it. And then if you've got to make those adjustments, do that. Okay. okay. Number three. Number three. How about this one? This coming. This is going to be coming for me. It's not going to be a big surprise. 
take care of the people side of your business, right? I know. Oh, like oh, what side your bread is buttered on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For some reason, we forget about that, right? Many right. of us do. And, and, and don't pay enough attention. So if we really want to improve our franchise operations, mm-hmm. they're, the, they're the traditional things that we say that we do with the people side of the business. You know, we, of course, we've got, there's certain things that we take care of. Mm-hmm. And to really keep, kind of retain great employees and really even attract great employees kind of go the extra mile in a couple of ways. When you really think about, right, how can we, how can we keep them growing? How can we cross-train them? Mm-hmm. How can we make sure that we're giving them the right feedback? What are some things that we can delegate to them? And what are some ways that we can get their opinion on things? Yeah. It's scary, but those are ways that we can really start involving them, and they really feel like they're part of the business. I think the first thing that comes to mind is be transparent about your business. Yeah. So there's, there's no reason they don't have to know. I mean, in most cases, all the information, is, they, if they really wanted to, they could find out. So be transparent and get involved in, in, in that family you've created. Yeah, it's so true. You, you know, it's funny because, you know, when I'll say things like, you know, get like like with family, by the way, gain opinions or get, get some feedback. And the first thing that uh, franchisees will tell me, are you kidding me? I don't want to do that because then what if I don't like their ideas? And then you talked about transparency. Well, that's okay then, because there are going to be some ideas. You can say some ideas, they'll be great, we can implement. But if you can't, you say, you know what, gosh, we can't implement this right now. But for some reason, as leaders, many leaders are afraid to even solicit that because they're afraid if they can't do something, uh, someone's going to leave, which is is not always the case. That's right. Okay, number four. All right, number four, leverage technology. Ooh. Yeah. And, and, And that's that's hard to do as a franchisee many times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about I think about this in a lot of different ways. The first thing I think of is as a franchisee, I've been in this case where sometimes the franchisor introduces new <laughs> introduces mm-hmm. new technology, and you're like, "Are you kidding me? You know, we've <laughs> got to add this to our plate, and we've got to do this." Everybody's so, resistant to change. <laughs> we are, and especially with technology. Especially, mm-hmm. I think certain probably certain people in certain generations. I'm in one of those generations. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's hard because it's like, are you kidding me? And and I think when we do embrace the technology, and it's going to have its glitches, and sometimes when things get introduced, right, it's going to have the glitches and the bugs. But I think really taking a look at the business and saying, okay, if I'm going to improve my business, I need to keep thinking about, you know, how I can have those efficiencies. Mm-hmm. What are some things I can do? So kind of having more of a growth mindset when it comes to the technology, and again, not all technology is going to work, but a lot of times it does, and it's going to really yeah. help us in our business. So really, kind of be open-minded with that. A, a lot of times, uh, introducing something new to to your uh, employees, your family, it, it, it it's a matter of how you do it. I mean, if you ask the question, well, "What do you think about this?" Even though in the back of your mind you've already implemented something, you know, you want to ask them about what they think about it. And start asking questions. Mm-hmm. So just simply how you approach it could, could be a, of a great benefit. Right. And many times I've actually had people on my team, if I know something's coming, I've, this just happened to me a year ago. Mm-hmm. I had my team implement it. No, where, you know, so. I said, okay, yeah. you know, I need you as part of this, because actually they're better than I am at this. <laughs> and so I'm like, I need you. And so mm-hmm. then when you get them involved then, 
it's actually going to be probably implemented much more so than if I would actually do the implementation yeah. of it. And so as a leader, it's being positive and it's having them become involved in it and be part, you know, just really be part of it. That's right. Number five. Number five. This one, network, network, network. And I mm-hmm. want to end on this one because a lot of times when we think of networking mm-hmm. and we talk about our franchise operations, we'll go to the other franchisees. Right. If you think mm-hmm. about even you and Krista, I think about me with other franchisees I know. And that's mm-hmm. really good to network with them. And if we really want to improve, let's add some other franchisees from other industries. And this is what I love about IFA is that when you become you know, a member of IFA, you have franchises from all over, you know, all over the world, basically, and so many different types. And I, I have found that I have learned more from franchisees in other industries of things that I can bring and adapt to my business. So whether it's IFA, whether it's even locally. I mean, I, I know yeah. franchise owners locally that will network and, and, and gain and, and share ideas. So that's another way of, you know, kind of thinking outside the box and being able to adapt ideas on how you can, how you can grow your business and, and really improve operations. That is fantastic. Thank you so much, Karen. I got that all marked down, and I'm going to implement every single one of those. Oh, Thanks. yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, the truth is I'm already implementing most of it. So. I, you know what I thought you were because you are, you're with it. And, right. you know, even, even if you're with it sometimes, I know there's some of these that from time to time, I'm like, oops, I'm not doing that as well. So a lot of these we might know about, but we don't necessarily always do. So it's making sure that we kind of keep it, keep it front and center. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you. What are the top three reasons that you should tune in to Felicia Franchising? One, franchise advice from a million dollar mentoring team. And two, how about interviews from franchise professionals and influencers? And number three, how about getting some professional tips on buying, growing, and exiting your franchise? Join us on Felicia Franchising to learn about the secrets of franchising success. You can find us at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you live. There truly is nothing worse than watching yourself on a video. (laughs) With that, I'd like to thank you all for joining us on the show today. A huge, huge shout out to Felipe Martinez with Estrella Insurance. As always, we appreciate our franchising mentors, uh, Mr. Jerry Akers, Karen Kimsey-Sward, and Ray Pillar, along with our um, legal sleuth, as I'll call her today, Ms. Laura List, our franchise lawyer. And as well as our producer, Fred McMurray, we are forever grateful for your hard work in getting us to the top of the spot. We are your resource, excuse me, for your franchising success. So this has been yet another episode of Pillars of Franchising. We hope you'll join us again next Thursday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcast. And remember, the dream starts here. Have a great week. (laughs) 